Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a Chief Evangelist? That's what we're exploring at ChiefEvangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from the Chief Legal Evangelist for LawView and the Community Evangelist for InView. His stated mission? To help in-house legal professionals realize their reasons for being in-house by being better connected with their work, with each other, with the business, and with business outcomes. He's bringing it all to life through evangelism community certification courses and, I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but a forthcoming book. He joins me from New Zealand where it's a different season and it's tomorrow. Sean Plant, welcome to Chief Evangelist. Welcome to the future, Ethan. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I almost wrote that in there. It's 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 really interesting. I, I was just curious before uh, jumping on this call with you. I was like, I wonder what time it is over there, and it's tomorrow. In fact, I mean, yeah, and it's it's a beautiful day tomorrow. So you you you're in for a good day. Awesome. I appreciate that. I should check in with you every day. Um, all right. So to to kick us off, I'll I'll ask you what I ask everyone uh, at this time in these episodes, and that is, what is the most important job of a chief evangelist? Um, for me, it's it's having a, a genuine passion and belief in the value um, and the impact that your message is going to have on your audience. And it's the solutions or, or the messages that you, you're trying to convey. So um, having that a real deep understanding of their needs and their, their pain points. Um, and I think to be able to do that authentically, you, you've got to have to walk in their shoes. You've got to have had experience of those things. Um, and then for me, it's, it's more about building the relationships, um, for me personally with, with lawyers, um, and with other partners and other stakeholders in the industry, uh, and then connecting them with each other, with their peers and, and then finding those solutions so that they can have a more fulfilling way of working as a, as a, as a lawyer. So many good elements in there, of course, including uh, empathy and having walked in someone's shoes. Of course, you uh, have been an in-house lawyer yourself. You made the transition to in-house, I believe, um, uh, earlier in your career. Of course, you've been many things throughout your career, um, as well as this, of course, authenticity, the genuine nature of it. Um, but where you just closed, there's a really important element as well that I don't know that we talk about enough, and we certainly will today with regard to the InView community, which is connecting these people to each other and and committing some of your own time and energy and effort and thought into who to connect when and how uh because we're just looking to help people in your case um i think transition to a better future of in-house law and so um with that you know generally i don't ask people to evangelize the main thing they're they're working on but I think what you're doing is so interesting. So feel free to take a step into that. So for folks who aren't familiar with the idea of in-house legal, like talk about this um, 
better future that you're helping bring to life through all of your efforts. And then we'll spend some time getting into what those efforts are. But do you like just share a little bit about the main problem that you're trying to help people solve? Yeah. So I, I guess going back to the beginning, most um, people who work in, in, in an in-house legal team began their career in private practice. So they work for a, they work for a law firm. Um, and law firms have a particular way of training people. Um, you know, they've got a particular focus, which is on providing services for their clients. Um, and that's what they're there for there to, you know, you, you, you provide these legal services, you're, um, at kind of arm's length to many of the issues that, that you're dealing with. Um, and when lawyers move in house, they're part of a, a business, they're part of an organization. Um, so, but there's a lot of kind of the. The mentality and the behaviors around what a lawyer is or perceived to be, or what a great lawyer is perceived to be, which is very much founded in private practice behaviors. And, and that doesn't work in house. When you go in house, you're working for an organization. Organizations don't want to employ an in-house um, law firm. That isn't what they need. They want people who've got these legal skills, but who can use them not to just to use as like a shield to protect them from risks and, and look for problems and stop things from, from going wrong, but to enable the business to achieve its objectives. They want, um, you know, a legal function that's going to enable the business to do things. And that's using your, your legal skills in a, in a very different way. Um, and I think that the challenge that many of us have, and which is, I, I personally had the same thing is that when you go into, go into an organization. You leave an environment which is very much built around the practice of law and being a lawyer. And then you're put into this organization, which has different processes, different skills, different behaviors, different software. Um, and you've got to largely find your way through how to practice as a lawyer in that environment. And there isn't any guidebook that there isn't a book out there that helps you to do that, which we, we might get onto very shortly. Um, so really it's about helping lawyers to kind of reconnect and there's reasons why we work as in-house lawyers. It, it isn't to, uh, to churn through, um, billable hours and, and meet billing targets, which is largely what we do when we're in private practice. It's to make an impact on the business, to, um, work on legal issues and to see the impact of those issues and, and, and your advice and how that's enabling the organization to achieve its objectives. And that's why we want to, to work working house we want to be more connected to the the work that we do you know we're in a a privileged position i think that we can be very proactive we can see things happening around the organization we can use our skills our legal skills a lot sooner rather than waiting for something to land on our desk to say hey we've got a problem we need to you we need you to help us to get out of this we can be a lot more proactive um and we can be a lot more connected to the people that we're actually engaging with and that means you're not delivering legal services or advice at an arm's length, giving them this kind of a traditional legal output, but you can be a lot more creative, um, in the way that you're, you're using your legal skills and how you're actually engaging with people. And then you can have a better impact on the business. And this is a, a far more fulfilling way of, of practicing law. But the problem is when you're, in, when you're in that position, when you're in a, an in-house legal team, you don't have that infrastructure that the law firms have. You don't have the software typically that supports your legal way of working. You have to use all of these um, different solutions that, that, that the business is using and they're disconnected and they don't suit 
how lawyers like to work. Um, so what we find is that we become inundated with work. We start to use things like Outlook to manage our, our work. Um, managing documents is all done through, through Outlook. And what we find is that instead of working on strategic, high-impact type of work that's really going to make a, a difference to the organization, we're constantly fighting fires. We're inundated with work. And it's, it isn't work that's adding a lot of value. It's a lot of transactional, operational, what I call is kind of rats and mice type issues that people have. But it's important to keep the wheels churning. The, wheel, the, the machine that is the organization has to keep moving forward. And it needs these answers to these different problems. And they all land with, with legal. And what happens is you, begin, you become inundated with that type of work. You don't get to focus on the strategic high value work because you don't have the time. And that work then gets outsourced to private law, law firms. So they end up doing the work, the really interesting work that in-house lawyers want to do while you're having to do the churn through all the operational stuff. So we end up losing I think the connection with why we went in-house to be an in-house lawyer, which was to do that impactful work that's, that's helping the organization, that's been outsourced. So what, what I'm trying to do is to help lawyers to find a better way of practicing. Um, and that's what this connected way of working is, is all about. So we're trying to help in-house lawyers to reconnect with their very reasons for why they work in-house. Um, and then so they can have a more fulfilling, I guess, career um, than what they're, than what they're probably experiencing at the moment. Um, and that's, you know, we, we need to find ways to be more productive. So there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of behaviors that we carry with us from private practice, which just don't suit a business. A business needs answers. They don't want lengthy legalese documents that are really complex they want they just want an answer and they want to be told yes go ahead and do it they don't want to be told yes go ahead and do it and i'm just going to cover my backside here and tell you all these things could go wrong so if they do go yeah, wrong, let's go through 18 red lines absolutely yeah. you know sometimes yeah. you just want you, that's the sword you just want to cut through all of that stuff they want to go yeah there's some risks here but just go for it you know we need that big we need to do that because that achieves our objective so they want a legal function that's a you know, that accelerates things. They don't want to handbrake. And, and I think, you know, because of the way that we work, because we're inundated with work and we don't have the time to better connect with our business and the people that we work with, we end up in this kind of silo, this legal team department. We close the door because we can't, um, we, we want to try and focus. We need quiet time. Um, you know, we're closing, we're disconnecting from the business. And we end up as this kind of silo where people find it really difficult to engage with. And then when you get the legalese on top of that, you're talking a different language. People within the organization are less likely to want to come to you with their problems. And we don't want that. We want the problems to come to us. Well, we don't want the problems. We want to be informed of things before they become problems. So we want to be involved right at the very beginning of things happening within the bit. We need to be in across all the processes within the organization so that we don't have to deal with problems like we do at the moment. We want to be more proactive in how we're using our skills and, and guidance and, and helping steer things through a, through a path. But you can't do that when you're swamped with work, when you're constantly fighting fires all the time. Uh, and then that's so, the reason why we get burnt out, of course. Yeah, so two big layers there, and they, all of that tied back to your mission statement, which I just took out of your LinkedIn About Me section. But it really, all, it really does all tie together very, very nicely. 
And I'm, it's a different job in a different context. Uh, it's a different opportunity. You went in-house to capitalize on that opportunity. You thought it was going to be a, a different and better way to work. But if you're not well equipped, not just from the software side, which I heard some obvious benefits of law view in the way that you described that, um, but then also there's this whole approach and mindset and awareness that if you are not conscious of this on the way in-house, you are bound to start acting like um, some hybrid version that isn't, isn't very good. And so for you, um, how did you get connected with LawView and when did you get turned on to or move into this kind of evangelist role? Because this, not, not just the software piece, but the mindset piece, this whole awareness and problem and opportunity that you experienced yourself um, is super interesting. So how did you connect to LawView and how did you wind up in an evangelist role? Yes, yeah, so the, the evangelist role is, is relatively new. So I, my career, I, I guess, we, we go back right back to the beginning. So my first career was as an engineer, and then I was a professional project manager for about 15 years, managing large-scale infrastructure um, projects. And for, for some reason, I thought that um, doing a law degree would help me to be either a better uh, project manager or perhaps I might be a different lawyer. It was never my intention to be a lawyer. When I first started out at law school, it was out of interest to understand more around the commercial basis for a lot of the issues that I was dealing with as a, as a project manager. And it's only when I got to the end of the law degree that somebody told me, they said, well, if ever you're thinking about practicing law, you're going to have to do it now. You can't come back to it a couple of years later and go, hey, I, I fancy doing law now because you've, you've missed an opportunity. So I just thought, right, I'm going to practice law. But because I've been, because I've been a project manager for so long, I stopped thinking about being a project manager. It just became, it was just inherent in who I was. It was my behaviors and, and how I looked to approach different things, how I approach life at home as well is, you know, everything's a project and we go through this process and we do these behaviors and we, and we use these tools. And when you leave law school, law school doesn't teach you how to be a lawyer. It just gives you some basic understandings. And it's only when you start to practice law that you start to learn out how to, how to be a, a lawyer. So I entered private practice, um, uh, like most people, like most people do leaving, leaving law school. Um, and again, I was never taught, you have to pick things up as you, as you start to work through. Um, and I was kind of thrown in at the deep end. I was given it on my probably third or fourth day, I was given these paper files. There was a stack of paper files. Uh, and it was a bit like a test. I was told, Hey, have a look through those files. Um, see what you, see what you think. And then once you've, once you've figured it all out, put them on the desk and then, um, you know, we'll, we'll get together at the end of the week and we work through them. So this is my kind of supervising partner. You have a senior partner who, who oversees your work. So I just opened up these folders, which are filled with different colored papers, different size papers. There's handwritten notes. There's all these documents. Um, and I just started to reconstruct that in the way that I thought, which as I was looking for issues, I was trying to identify who the stakeholders were, what the problems were. Uh, what are the actions I thought needed to do? I was project managed the way that I thought this issue was was being dealt with. And then I did some some legal analysis and then I, I ran out of time and I, I left them. And, and at the end of the week, my, my supervising partner called me into his office and the, the folders were, sorry, the files were kind of spread out on, on his desk and he said, take a seat. And he opened one up and he said, um, what's, what's all this? And I thought of that, no joke, at that moment in time, I thought my legal career was over before it even started. I thought that I'd broken some unspoken rule that only true lawyers would ever grasp 
that you don't mess with the file. You don't mess with those bits of paper. They're in that order for a reason. And you obviously don't get that. So you're never going to succeed a lawyer. And that's what was going through my mind. Um, and he said, it's, it's great. You, you've understood everything that's at issue here. All this information, you've pulled it into a really nice way of, of looking at things. And you've identified all the key facts and all the key people. Your knowledge of the law is absolutely shocking. But the way that you've approached this, who taught you how to do that? And I, I said, isn't that how you would normally approach these things? Isn't that what you look for on the pulling out this information and documenting things? And they said, no. And I then realized that project management had a place in law. Um, so I started to, to look around and there wasn't anything at the time. And it's around the, the first global, global financial crisis, which was around 2008 or so, uh, when legal project management really started to raise its head, uh, you know, the, Clients didn't have budgets anymore. They needed better ways of, of working. They were telling their law firms, you've got to find a better way. We've still got issues to deal with, but we just don't have the budgets. We need you to be more efficient and effective. And this was kind of when legal project management started to give rise to that. And I connected with a whole heap of people. Um, and I went back to the, um, the project management institute, which I, was, which I was part of when I was a professional project manager and said, hey, you know, what do we have for, for lawyers that they can use? And that was when I got really involved in legal project management and it, and it was just, it was how I worked and it is, I could see the, the benefits immediately that I was practicing. And then, um, so what I started doing is I, I, I went out on social media and I started to talk about legal project management, uh, project management I said, Hey, there's, there's better ways of working here. We can be more efficient. We can be more effective. We can deliver better value for clients by using some of these tools and techniques. And then the, the law firm that I was working with said, came back to me and said, hey, that, no, that's, what you're doing is you're sharing a lot of IP. That's really powerful IP that you're sharing out there. You might want to keep it to yourself. Um, otherwise, you're just giving it away for free. Um, and I got to think about that. And it was, um, perhaps there might be a reason why I shouldn't be telling people there's better ways of doing these things. We, you know, we can be more productive and more efficient and effective. Um, and then I realized that, the only way that the legal profession was going to change, it wasn't within private law firms. They, they didn't have this burning platform because of the way that we, that we were working, efficiency wasn't high on the list of priorities because if you're efficient, you're not billing as much time. And if you're not billing as much time, then you're not making as much money. And that's how the remuneration process and your career development largely goes a bit cynical there, but largely is about meeting billing, billing targets. And if you're chewing through, cranking through work in really quickly, you're not going to be getting the bills. So, um, I thought the only way that things are going to change in this industry is if the clients started to say, you've got to do things differently. And this is how I want you to start to manage my work. Um, so that was when I decided I need to move in house because in house lawyers were the, were the businesses that were driving a lot of these law firms. So I thought then I can start to say, this is how you're going to do my work. And then I could start. So I was evangelizing legal project management and I was doing this for, for a little bit. And then I started to, um, I was asked by a, um, um, a training, um, organization at the college of law, they'd been approached by some law firms who said, Hey, we've heard about this legal project management. Can you, can you deliver a course for us? They got in contact with me and said, Hey, we're seeing what you're doing. Can you put together a course to teach lawyers how to be better, better managing their work? Um, there's lots of people out there doing project management, consultancy, and training. 
but lawyers will never listen to a consultant that's never walked in the shoes of a lawyer. So they need to be a lawyer. That is absolute. Uh, so I was the only person, certainly in New Zealand, that was doing these things. So that's when I started to do the courses as well. And then Tim Boyne and Sam Kidd, who were the original founders of Lawview, saw what I was doing. They had this idea for this app that was going to help law firms to be better at managing their work. So it was, it was about unbundling the work that they were that they were working on and packaging that up. And it was more of a project management type app. And they said, hey, what do you think of this? Do you think this is a great idea? And I said, I want to be part of this. This is this is something that I want to be involved in. So that's what we that's when I got involved with Lovia. I think there's there's one other person in the in the team at the time. So I was probably the fourth person. Uh, but yeah, and that was that was all it was all about project management. It's always been about helping lawyers to find better ways of delivering their work and being more efficient, more effective and and uh, and delivering value. Um, and then that's where we've we've continued. So I've always been evangelizing. If I didn't know it's called evangelizing, but I've always been convinced that there's a better way of working as a lawyer uh, and we need to get rid of some of the behaviors that we kind of carry with us because we think this is how lawyers behave. We think this is how law lawyers have to act uh, and this is how legal advice is delivered because it's kind of a formula that just gets repeated and repeated and repeated um and i think it's lost touch with um you know the, the world today it's lost touch with how businesses like to operate uh, and i think you know sometimes when we when we move in house uh, maybe for the same reason that i did is that you want to do something better um you know sometimes you take those behaviors with you 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 take with you some of that kind of image that you see a lawyer is, uh, and it takes a while to kind of lose the shackles of that, uh, to realize that that isn't what people want from their lawyers. They, they want people to advise them. They want partners who are going to be strategic in their thinking. They're going to be finding better ways of, of delivering things. And it isn't law, isn't the, the core of everything. You can use your skills to do two other things. Uh, so you, so you, you've been an evangelist all along. I just didn't know. I just didn't know if that's what I was doing. Right. So when did you take that language on? Like uh, when you and I connected, which I don't remember when it is, but it's probably at least a year ago. Mm. Um, you were definitely using that language. When did you get turned on to that language, and what did it mean to you at the time? Yeah. So it's, when you're in when you're in a startup, you 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 don't have like clear swim lanes. Everybody has a kind of a lane within which they're responsible for, but the everything blurs. Everybody's doing everything. You've just got to get stuff done, and that's so exciting. Hey, eh? I mean, it's, it's a, an, an awesome way. So I was an in-house I was an in-house lawyer for for Law of You, but at the beginning we didn't have too many clients, so there wasn't a great deal for for for, for law in that. But because I understood the industry, because I could relate to. Uh, the, the people that we are trying to help, because I really did believe, and I still obviously still do, in the message that we're trying to help and, and the solutions that we're, we're trying to enable uh, lawyers to achieve. And um, that was kind of what my what my role was. And then as we started to grow, so I was involved in sales, I was, I was doing demonstrations, I was going to talking at conferences, I was doing all the evangelizing stuff, and I was doing the legal stuff, and I was helping with implementation because then I could help people to say, hey, if you do it this way, then you can change your behaviors. Let's get rid of that stuff. You don't need to do that. This is a better way of working um, and doing all that, all those types of things. But as we grew, of course, I couldn't do all of that. So my role started to to kind of get more and more defined as we started to grow and bring in better people than I was at doing these things 
And then I ended up as the, uh, just focusing on, on law. So I became our chief legal officer for a while, but I always loved, and I missed connecting with people and helping them to find solutions, um, and just understanding their pain and, and, and finding value for the work that they're doing. And I really did miss that. So I was trying to do that as well, because that really did light my fire, if you like, as well as the legal. And then the opportunity came to say, Hey, we're growing again. We're looking at more resourcing. Um, which way do you want to go? And I went, I want to go down this route doing this thing. And they, and fortunately at the time we'd, we'd brought on a, uh, Greg Stevenson, who was, who was ex, um, uh, marketing from LinkedIn, who said evangelism, that is what you're doing. Um, so that's the role that it's going to be, um, chief legal evangelist, um, and then I thought, great, I've now got a, a title, which is different. Um, you know, it's, uh, I hadn't heard of the, the legal evangelist before. I think I'm the only legal evangelist that I obviously that I know about. Um, but evangelism was something new to me as a, as a term. Um, so that's when I started to look around and yeah, there was lots of people doing evangelism and, and that's how I obviously connected with yourself at the time. I was still finding my way, um, looking at, at you know. Um, how do we measure, um, you know, success and KPIs and, and those types of things. And, um, you know, just trying to get some structure around what I was doing, but also, you know, hoping to find, um, you know, again, connecting with people who can help me to kind of refine what I was doing, uh, to me, to make me more effective at, um, yeah, evangelizing, if you like. Love it. So let's keep the community on the side for a minute. Let's keep the book project on the side for a minute. What does evangelism look like for you now in terms of two specific dynamics? One, kind of the primary activity areas. I assume it's some speaking, some teaching, maybe some writing, uh, et cetera. And is that an internal or an external audience? So one, it's like, what are the main activity areas? And then two, you already kind of alluded to it. What does success look like or how are you defining success and or how metric and measured is this? You've obviously been with, the, the, it sounds like, um, I don't know if the two gentlemen you mentioned earlier were the co-founders, but, um, you know, some of the, the co-founders obviously knew who you were. They knew what you're capable of. They understood your perspective. They knew that you were um, essentially the customer at one point in your life yeah. and career. Right. So you're like perfect for this role. Like, are you just in a high trust environment and the metrics don't matter so much and you're doing it just because it's your own nature as a project manager? Like, what's progress? Um yeah. So I know, I know there's a lot there, but two main buckets, like what do you, kind of, what are you doing week to week, month to month and what does success look like and, and how is it defined? Yeah. Um, so, so, um, day to day, week to week, um, at the moment is very much focused on the book, which we'll come to shortly. Uh, but apart from that, it's, um, it's around thought leadership, um, you know, finding those opportunities to, to share the message, um, very much focused on, on social media. Um, and hope finding those different ways. So, you know, all the different forms of social media and finding, uh, different ways to, to share the message in a way that people are going to understand it a little bit differently. So that's very much a, a primary focus, um, conferences, um, talking at conferences, being part of panels, um, and then just, yeah, just connecting with people. Um, that's a, a large part of, of what we, what we're doing. Um, we also have the, um which I think you mentioned at the beginning, which is the certificate as well. So, uh, we have a connected legal, um, function, um, certificate that people can do. So producing video content for that. So different building up different modules so that 
We continue to add new content so that lawyers can actually go and learn about new ways of working or just different skills or different behaviors that they can put into practice. So a lot of it is around building out the different content for the physical certificate as well. Um, and what was the, what was the second? Question? As, as for Come what does success look like? Is it, is it hardcore like measured or is it more of like a Sean's just going to do his thing and, and we know him and we trust him? Yep. Um, so very much at the moment it's very, um, predominantly external focus. So, um, you know, I'm looking at the, looking at the industry, um, looking at the, looking at the potential clients and, and people that, that, that way of working, um, metric wise, um, we're still trying to work that out. So we, we understand that, it, that it is, that it is different. Um, you know, that it is kind of hard to, to kind of measure. So I do have things that I, that I need to do. So we're measuring my success as, um, number of articles published, um, number of, uh, number of, um, social media posts and those types of things, uh, you know, content added to the, um, to the, the certificate and the framework. Um, and then the book as well. So it's these hardcore deliverables rather than metrics as in, you know, cause it's really hard. How, how do you, how do you know that you haven't influenced a, a sale? I mean, if, if that's what it's going to come down to is, you know, are we dry, are we a kind of a funnel to help to steer people in the direction, which is, which is law view. If that's the ultimate goal of the, of the business, how are you contributing to that? Um, it's really hard to kind of make that connection. You know, you, you could have connected with somebody on LinkedIn. You could have shared a, an article or written something which just sparks their interest. And they go, yeah, that's, that's for me. And then they get brought into the, brought into the process. It's really hard to kind of make those connections. So, you know, it is about trust. Um, you know, it, it is about, I think it's, we have people in, in leadership positions who really understand the value in, um, in thought leadership, you know, it isn't just a, a tag on, uh, we, we started out and I guess that goes right back to the heart of where we began is right from the day one, we knew we had a solution, but it was a solution to a problem, which the industry that we were talking to didn't want to admit that it had. So it didn't want to admit that it had this problem. And we were saying, we've got this solution for you. And we found out from those very early days that going in and saying, you've got a problem, you need to fix it. And this is how you're going to fix it just didn't work. You had to, you had to kind of walk in their shoes for a while. And that was, that was how I got engaged in terms of connecting with some of those early, uh, early adopters and working with them. And the feedback that we got from them in terms of our kind of overall process was you should have brought Sean in sooner. As soon as he started to talk to us, it all started to make sense. So they weren't, they didn't feel as though they'd been sold to, it was just a way of presenting, you know, the, the problem solutions and, and how these things all work together. So, you know, right from the very beginning, we understood the value in evangelism, um, and, you know, having those hard metrics, um, is something that we, we, we haven't had to deal with at the moment. So yeah, largely trust, which, which I'm very happy about. Hey, thanks for listening to chief evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast, 
Speaking of Chief Evangelist, let's get back to it. I feel like that's the, um, I feel like it, I'm not quite ready to call it a necessary prerequisite for a successful evangelist function, but I feel like I'm right at the doorstep. I feel like that's the story that I hear um, the best results from in general, because it just removes the tension and allows you to kind of do your thing. So we've talked about the book a couple of times. One of the things I love about a book, especially in light of what you just shared, is that it allows you to go in depth. It allows you to lay in some sequencing and some subtlety and some nuance. And each person, you know, whether they're reading a physical copy, whether they're reading a, reading a digital copy, whether they're maybe listening to you narrate a book that you wrote, which, <laughs> by the way, watching. whatever you want to talk about shutting yourself into a studio and reading your own book out loud, uh, let me know. I'm happy to share my experience with that. Um, but, uh, but it allows them to dwell in these ideas and to have their light bulbs turned on, maybe multiple light bulbs in a way that maybe a 30 minutes on a stage, um, doesn't, doesn't allow you to convey to people. So talk a little bit about the motivation to do a book and specifically speak to it in the context of this kind of problem awareness and evangelism that you're doing. Like, where does this fit in all of the other pieces uh, from your uh, point of view, it's 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 complementary to kind of the, the the pyramid that I see that we have at the moment. So so we have a, a technology solution which is providing better ways of working for our um, in-house legal teams, and then we we've got our um, our connected legal certificate that starts to give them some real practical skills. So it, so it isn't um, it's kind of tech agnostic in the sense that it isn't saying you have to use LawView to solve all your problems. The technology is interwoven across many of the modules, but it isn't you have to use this one specific tool. There's a lot of behaviors and there's a lot of processes and a lot of things and the soft skills that you can do to be more effective at, at connecting with your work and connecting with the people and being more impactful in the way that you're delivering legal services. So the certificate is, is another way of providing them with a training. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a free training course so they can get all these new skills and they can dig into that whenever they want to. They can take the modules at, at their own, at their own time, at, at their own pace. And then the book came, came about because there isn't a book that tells you how to be an in-house lawyer. Um, like when you, when you go in-house, you know, there isn't a book that help tells you this is how the best way to work is. Um, and what I wanted to do was to provide a resource that kind of pulled together a lot of things that I'd been working on across the organization. Uh, and a lot of the things that I'd been working on before I joined LawView about just being a better way and to share my experiences as well, because I did learn from the hard way from when I went in-house from, I actually went from being a highly connected um, lawyer who was delivering impact almost from day one, and I could see the value that I was adding to the organization. And we went through a restructure because I, was, I, was, um, I wasn't part of a legal team at that time. I was embedded within this part of the organization delivering legal services, and I was their sole legal person. And I wasn't sat in an office. I was sat in an open, open plan, um, and I was just part of everything. I was just interwoven with everything that's happening. It was so rewarding, um, the, that way of practicing. And then we went through a restructure. And they said, hey, we've got a lawyer over here and you've got a legal team over here. 
the lawyer needs to be as part of the legal team. And as soon as I became part of the legal team, I, I stopped and I had to physically relocate. I wasn't as connected with the people that I was working with in the way that I was working. And I, I had to pick up a lot of the other work that was coming in. So I wasn't their sole person. I was helping the workload with the, with the rest of the organization. And then that volume started to increase and it started to encroach in the work that I was actually doing. So the reasons why I went in house started to get pushed back to the sides. And at the end, I was just swamped with all this other operational type work. And I just lost that feeling of connection. Um, and that the reasons why I had gone in house, I realized that I'd lost that very reason. So that I, this is what I wanted to do. So this, and this was the reason for the book was to help lawyers who are in that position or who are, who are heading that, down that path to say, Hey, there's a better way of, of being here. Um, and it's also for lawyers who are contemplating going in house as well, because you know, in-house, when you go to law school, in-house isn't offered as the primary route for your career. It's you're going to join one of these big law firms. You're going to crush through the, the hours in, into the weekends. You're going to be a successful lawyer. You're going to be a partner in one of these law firms. And the bigger the law firm, you know, the more successful you're going to be. In-house was never put forward as a viable option. It was, I think, years ago, it was seen as a, an easy route out of big law because you can't hack the long hours and you can't hack that way of working. So you take the soft option, which is going in-house and that is not the way it is anymore. You know, in-house lawyers are now redefining how legal practice should be done and how businesses, clients want lawyers to act and how they want to behave and how they want legal services to be delivered. So things have, t have turned around in that, you know, the, Private practice way of lawyering is kind of old school. Um, you know, it is losing touch with businesses and it's losing touch with, you know, the environment and, and industry. And it's the in-house now, which is starting to rise. So, um, you know, in-house is rising in terms of redefining what legal practice should be like. And that's what the book is about. So it's helping people to understand these are the, this is what happened in the history. So back in the day when GCs first came about, general counsel first came about, there were those trusted advisors. They had strategic, they had innovation, they were creative, they had flair. Um, law was just part of their skill set. You know, they were these real trusted advisors sat next to the chief executive, steering directions for their organization. And then over time, as they, they lost touch with organizations, the businesses became more, um, more, more scientific, there was more uh, professional management practices started to come in. They lost touch with that way of, of talking and behaving. They carried on doing their old way of working. And then they got relegated down into the depths of being a transactional operational, which is where many legal are at the moment. So it's helping them to kind of reconnect back to, I guess, back to what the first generation GCs were like to help them to be sitting at the top table, being part of the strategic brain of their organization guiding direction, being strategic and, and using their skills in, in that way. So that's one of the purposes. And to do that, we've got to be more productive. We've got to find better ways of working. So we, we take them through that, or I take them through that journey of this is what it means. This is how we can help you to be more impactful in your, in your organization. So it's being productive and it's being proactive. Um, it's sharing your legal knowledge in a, in a different way. It's connecting with the people that you work with as part of a team, because surprisingly lawyers don't, are not really taught to, to act as part of a team. You know, you, when you're in private practice, you, you eat what you kill, uh, you know, 
collaboration doesn't sit easily easily with with uh, with lawyers. Um, but, but when you're in a business, you need to do that. You need to have these connections because you are going to be delivering a different way of, of uh, legal services. So it's about connecting with the work that they're doing and then focusing on being more proactive so that you're actually, like I said before, using your legal skills as a, as a sword so that you're actually driving the business forward. You're enabling the business. You're not pulling on the handbrake to say, hey, we've got to stop this. I need time to work through this. You're in there. You, you're managing risks, but you're helping the business to, to go forward. And then most importantly, you're able to identify the real value that you add to your organization. And the value that you add as an in-house lawyer isn't your subject matter expertise of the law. Law is part of that. It's about your in-depth knowledge of your organization. It's about the in-depth knowledge of the industry. And it's about the strategic mind that you have and the creativity that you're able to bring to your, to your work and matching that all together to be more impactful in, in how the organization is working. So focusing on that impact that you have. And one thing that we really do struggle as, I think as most lawyers, is showcasing the value that we have. So lawyers are not very good at marketing ourselves. Um, if you ask any private practice lawyer who has to go through business development, going to site, uh, client social functions, it fills them with dread because they really don't like that kind of selling, how they see it as selling uh, rather than, than networking. Uh, so yeah, we're not great at, at um, I guess, some of us at, at doing those types of things. So it's really about understanding the value that you add to your organization and then recognizing that you actually need to be showcasing that. You need to be telling stories about how great the work is that you're doing and how it impacts on the business because because we're subject matter experts, we do our legal work to a high quality. We expect the people that we're doing that work for to realize this is high quality work. You're adding value because you're doing high quality work. The organizations don't think like that. You know, you need to be telling people, this is how we made an impact. We did, we reviewed that. We didn't just review a contract. That contract was, in, was, um, crucial to this new product that we've just launched and you were able to launch that earlier because we turned it around within 30 minutes. Um, that was how we added value in terms of doing those things. We prioritize our work. We focus on where we can have impact. Yeah. So it's so interesting. I mean, it's obviously a movement. It's a full on movement. You have an important voice in it. You do personally, as does law of you. Um, it feels like it's timely. I love the, the historical arc from general counsel to coming back to being a valued uh, member of the organization also makes me think a little bit about some of this education isn't just for the in-house lawyer, it's for the other executives and senior leaders inside organizations to understand what a good connected legal function is so they can meet it halfway. Um, talk to me a, a little bit about, um, about InView. You used tech agnostic earlier. Um, I assume the book is going to be relatively tech agnostic as well. This isn't a, a how-to yeah. manual for, for the LawView software. It really is this story arc and this historical context and this movement and this education you've been describing. Um, you have recently taken over a, what, a 10,000 member community that is tech agnostic, also tied to the same movement. I assume this is a global community? Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, so InView is a global community. Uh, we have about yeah, 10,000 legal professionals. Um, so very much focused on in-house again, uh, not just lawyers, but there's, uh, legal operations. Uh, there's other people who are involved in kind of the legal, legal processes. Um, there's partners in there as well. So these, are, these will be other 
kind of consultants that who go through change management and help um, help uh, in-house teams to to improve their processes as well. So it's it isn't just focused on law. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's we had a, an amazing person, Sean Simpson, who who built the community out for us. Again, it's during the startup days. It's one of those tasks that somebody has to do, and and she was amazing at, at building it out. Um, and now it's growing continually. So we have provided this um, a forum where these legal professionals can share, they can connect, and they can learn from each other. So we have champions or contributors um, who decide what the content is and is going to be, and we provide them with this vehicle, if you like. So LawView facilitates this, but we don't drive any of the content. We don't decide what they're going to talk about. So we do, um, we've got magazines, we've got, um, obviously we've got a, a website where people can post bl um, blogs on, uh, we've got a, a conference. Uh, so we've run, we're running conferences as well. Uh, we do um, InView Connect, which is where we do like a matchmaking, networking with, with like-minded peers. So we, we facilitate all of that, but we don't de decide what the content is going to be. And we're very, very cautious about um, LawView not being prominent in that because it is a true community. This isn't a sales um, you know, mission for LawView to brainwash people into now you're going to sign up to the community and now you're going to buy LawView. We're very careful not to do that. We really do care about helping our in-house um, uh, people to, to be better at what they're doing. So the contributors, we have champions, we identify who, who they are. Uh, they stand out and say, um, yeah, we'd really like to be part of this and have more voice. So we provide them with that ability to have their voice. Um, so they, they just share their stories and they share these, some of these amazing things that they're, that they're doing. Um, and quite often, you know, because we don't have too many of these communities around, um, a lot of the people come and say, well, you know, I've done a couple of things, but nothing, you know, nobody will really be interested in that. It's amazing how the small things really do trigger people and they say, that is such an awesome, these little nuggets just fall out of these stories that people are doing and, and we can really engage with that. So we do have, what I believe is that it's a unique community. It isn't um, stale scones and, and um, poor coffee. It, it isn't a, like a lot of the legal conferences that, that you go to. This is a, a, a different community. So we'll be talking about mindset and they'll talk about innovation. They'll talk about well-being. They talk about value and career development. Um, you know, leadership, th those types of things. So a lot of the softer sides of, and being authentic is, it comes through all the time, you know, bringing, bringing your true self to, to work. Um, and it really is, if you, if you read the content, you can, you can sense that there's really, we are really disconnecting from that private practice way of thinking and being, and we're kind of embracing this way of being as, as a, a better way of practicing, as a better way of practicing law a more fulfilling way of, of practicing law so yeah bring it so i'm, I'm now the kind of the, the the um the community um evangelist as well so uh, continuing with this story to just trying to help people to connect and share and, and capture their 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 uh, their stories um and, and hoping to to grow the community um as well along that way i love the idea of building a platform that is completely oriented toward the members themselves um do you publish there as well or are you simply facilitating? I, I do I do content as well. So I'm doing some of the the, the, the thought leadership. So I'll do some articles. We, we do we have a, a a content team as well. So 
you know, we help the we help the uh, contributors to to kind of formulate their thoughts and to put that into a into a way. So we do they do a lot of the heavy lifting for the community as well, which is which is really helpful. Um, so it is about contributing to the community, sharing those stories because you know people always want to hear about what other people are, are doing and experiencing, and um, and as well, you know, because I engage with so many of our community whether they're in part of the interview community or whether a law view client, you find these people who are different, doing things differently. And you can then, you can then start to share their experiences on their behalf as well. So again, it's about connecting people, um, whether they're actually, whether they actually want to be a participant in the community or whether they just want to, you know, consume rather than actually contribute themselves. Absolutely perfect. We don't mind, you know, as long as we're helping people, whichever way they want to uh, to learn, as long as we're helping them to connect with better ways of being, then, uh, you know, I think we're achieving our objective. Yeah, that's awesome. What advice would you have for someone like you who perhaps is they listen to a conversation like this and some of the other ones we've had on the show or they talk with a friend who's doing this type of work, they realize, oh, gosh, because I've heard this a number of times now. I just realized I've been an evangelist all along. Um, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about whether or not to implement an evangelist role in their organization or someone thinking about stepping into one or trying to carve one out in the context of what they're doing? Like what maybe what do you wish you knew, um, you know, a couple of years ago? Yeah, I guess I, I wish what I, I guess what I wish I knew um, was that this, this is actually adding value. I mean. It, it was recognized, it's recognized by the, by the company as adding value. It has always seemed to be, um, I think for many, a tag on to another job that they have. So I don't know, they might be sales uh, and, you know, they're, they're trying to do, they want to do thought leadership. They really do enjoy the thought leadership work, um, but they're also doing sales as well. So it's kind of a, a tag on. And then, and then you have that kind of a conundrum, um, you know, is, is, is that, thought leadership directed at this sales purpose or is this marketing? Um, I, I think it's that recognition. This is a, an actual role that is really adding value. And even though we knew that it was adding value, it was always part of something else. And I, I wish I knew earlier the value that it actually does have um, because I would have been probably a lot more productive in this space than churning a lot of the um, the daily rats and mice type things that I thought was adding value to the organization. Um, but this other stuff, the softer stuff, was was doing it slightly differently. Um, and, and I think so anybody, I mean, it's tricky for a, for a lawyer um, to step out of what, uh, step out of the career. It is a massive step, I think. So um, I think I'm talking to um, lawyers here that, um, when when you go in house from private practice, you do step out of your comfort zone. You do start to think, "Am I losing something by moving in house?" And then you'll realize, actually, no, I'm not. I'm gaining. I'm becoming a better lawyer by taking that that, that next step. At Lawview, we have I think probably ten percent. So we must have twelve to fifteen people across the organization in marketing, in sales, in product, um, in development. Um, in evangelism, who are lawyers or have been lawyers, um, who found that when they went in house, they had a particular interest in an area. And it might have been, I like 
marketing. So I'm going to focus on kind of the marketing aspects of practicing law in-house for this organization. And then I realized, actually, I really do enjoy marketing. And it's, I think it's a nice, easy step to then feel comfortable at losing your lawyer status. Um, and I think, you know, quite often we kind of hang on to that because it defines who we are. Um, and I think, you know, take, take it easy and, and just do that transition and you'll find that it's, um, it's not a big step to, uh, to, to make that jump. Yeah, very good. You, you remind me of, um, some times in my own experience, uh, carrying this title and opportunity and responsibility of, of evangelist, um, where I, where I didn't necessarily give myself the permission mm. to yeah. really like invest in an idea that I knew was the right thing. So that was what I typically wound up doing. Like if I was going to stay late or start early the next day or, you know, work through the weekend or whatever, it was always for these things that I never gave myself permission to do in the context of the work. I really appreciate that language there and, uh, and the invitation to people to, to, to consider um, dropping some of the preconceived notions and really pursuing their own strengths and interests. I think that's where we all kind of come to life. Um, Sean, this has been really fun. I've enjoyed this conversation very much. I really especially appreciate your, uh, again, this kind of story arc of where we were, where we are, where we're going, the problems inherent in kind of the, the, the immediate past, the present, and the very near future and your own personal commitment to get as many people through those challenges as possible in all these different channels and different ways of engaging. Um, you are a true evangelist, and I would love for you to share with us for fun something that you evangelize in your own personal life. <laughs> There's two things that I evangelize in my own personal life. One of them is um, is Bon Scott um, has been the the... the the real lead singer for ACDC. So uh, ACDC is a rock band. Bon died when I, he's, they're, they're kind of, um, they're part of my youth growing up and, and uh, ACDC is a key part of that. And when Bon Scott died, um, it, you know, um, I, I was devastated for a while. Um, and Brian Johnson, who replaced him, um, I just don't think it's, it's ever been the same. So I, I evangelized the Bon Scott era for, for AC, ACDC as well. Um, but I also, evangelize if you like or, or or bore the pants off people um talking about sailing um so very much uh, an avid uh, centerboard sailor i have a a new zealand built in design boat called a zephyr which is like a a classic car equivalent i think they're they're a beautiful boat um so yeah it's um sailing um is something that you just can't beat it's wonderful i remember uh one of the times we were trying to find a time to connect uh, over the past year or so, uh, you were off to a regatta or you were at one. I, I forget which. So that's right. awesome. I love both of those. Uh, for folks who've enjoyed this and they want to connect with you, whether it's specifically around, um, you know, a new and different and better way to practice law, especially from an in-house perspective, or whether it's just to connect uh, with regard to evangelism, community, and some of these other things that you've spoken to, uh, where would you send folks to connect? Uh, my LinkedIn profile. So yeah, definitely through LinkedIn. Very good. He is Sean Plant, spelled S-H-A-U-N, last name Plant, like plants, which I love. Easy. Uh, I'll link that up. It'll be immediately adjacent, whether you're watching this in YouTube 
or you're listening in your preferred podcast app. Uh, Sean's LinkedIn profile will be linked up nearby. Sean, thank you so much for this time. Continued success to you. I appreciate the clarity of your vision and your commitment to bring it to life in a variety of channels. Excellent. Thanks so much, Ethan. I've really enjoyed it. That wraps up this episode of Chief Evangelist. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.